Rock Podcast. Hey, let me go over some of these sponsors, but I want to tell you guys something, man. Um, I hope that you guys are actually checking out these sponsors, right? These are really good people, um, and and they they believe in me, and they support me, and just like you guys do when you guys are listening to this podcast, you obviously believe in me because you believe in the content that I'm providing for you. Um, these guys got my back, and so I would hope that you guys at least check them out, and when you do check them out, you let them know that I sent you uh, to show that uh, this is effective and on the way we're doing our sponsorships, just letting you know. You guys know I just got some new stuff from GMR Gold. I'll be posting that on my, my uh, Instagram probably later this week. GMRGold.com is who it is. Uh, if you guys are interested in any kind of the gold or the silver, you know, it's one of those different ways of, of collecting a monetary value and being able to put it away. And you can buy it. You can sell it. You can do all kinds of different things. But it's the one currency right now that kind of stays stable. Um, it doesn't lose its value to the to the depths of other other currencies uh it's been very it's been very stable from the from the beginning of time and it's going to continue to be stable so you guys check them out gmr gold uh they also have bullion box you can check either ones out and a bullion box you can order uh either a hundred dollars a month two hundred dollars a month three hundred dollars a month i use it for kind of a savings plan a fun way to save money and as well share with my kids the coins and in in some of the medallions that come my way you guys check them out that's gmr gold uh temple 57 uh, Temple 57 is going through some changes. I got to get the information from them. They haven't sent it to me yet, but Temple 57 is still uh, a private security company. They're always hiring veterans. Veterans are a priority for them because, you know, they just support what we do and what we've done. Uh, you guys check out Temple 57. Uh, you can check them out online at temple57.com. Give them a call. Let them know I sent you. Get your resumes ready and get ready to start working. Core Medical Group, I'm going to post a video that uh, I'll be getting later today. Man, I really believe in this. I think this is super important for veterans and understanding that when you are experienced, with, when you have experiences uh, like we do in the military with being around explosions a lot, those small concussions can actually cause a big difference in your body chemistry. All right. If your pituitary is damaged, um, it will not secrete the, the hormones it needs uh, on a regular basis. And so you can have a hormone deficiency and not know it. You can just feel like, you know what? I'm getting older and my knees feel bad and my, my body doesn't respond as well and I'm not, I'm not recovering as well. All that could potentially be because your hormones are fucked. And if they are, you guys want to check them out, hit up Core Medical Group, okay? You can hit them up uh, on, on Instagram, Core Med HRT. You can hit me up and I'll send you directly to them. Or you can hit up Core Medical Group online and you can find them online. Um, these guys will do your blood work and they will send you what you need directly to your house anywhere in the United States. You let them know Vinny Rock. You let them know Rocco. You let them know Vince Vargas sent you so they know that I'm using this appropriately and, and I'm getting my veterans the help that they need because I really believe in this. And if you're not even a veteran, if you're just a law enforcement officer that feels the same, you, I, I, I recommend you check it out. If you played football for years and you have a few concussions, if you boxed for a few years, you might want to check your blood levels, okay? So check them out, Core Medical Group. If you guys have trouble finding them, hit me up. I'll hit you up. Uh, Willie Peach Chocolate. Look, man. I'm going to support this guy till the day I die. WillyPeatsChocolates.com. Uh, you check them out. Check them out on Instagram. It's Willie Pete's, uh, Willie Pete's Chocolate Co. All right? This guy makes chocolate out of his own house. He's a veteran. He does his thing. He works his ass off to make his money, and I can't, I can't support anyone more than that because of the fact that he is a hustler, and he works as hard as I do. I know it, and that's why I love this guy. You guys go check out Brian at Willie Peach Chocolate Co. Metal Force, Metal Force is your shakers, your protein shakers. Right now, I'm in the, I'm in this stage of getting in shape. I'm trying to get jacked. I'm trying to look good on the Mayan season two. I don't want to look like a fat guy on film no more. It fucking drives me nuts. So you guys check out Metal Force Fit on IG, Metal Force Fit, uh, Metal Force. Dot com. You can go check out some of their shakers. Uh, you know, I always use the one. It's the thin blue line because I support my law enforcement officers because I get it. It's a hard job. And so I rock my shaker in the, in the gym and tell everyone they can fuck themselves if they don't like what I believe in. Sorry about the cussing today. I got some coffee in me. I'm a little fired up. Last but not least, I got you guys want to know. Check out Beyond Clothing. 
You guys have to know who they are by now. These guys are actually some solid, solid dudes, and they do some amazing work. Um, there's a lot of backstory. I'm hoping to get one of these guys on the podcast. Actually, I'll probably have Carlos come to the podcast one of these days. Um, he's not much of a – he likes to stay behind closed doors and what he does. But either way, Beyond Clothing, um, they have a huge following. They have a solid following on social media. It's beyondclothing.com. For your expeditionary clothing systems, all right, and they have cold weather systems. They have, I mean, the jackets. They have everything you can think of. They even have a motorcycle jacket they recently came out with. I love them. All my badass special operations buddies use them. Uh, they believe in their gear, so I asked them if they would be interested in sponsoring the podcast because I only like to promote things that I really believe in. So you guys check that out. Um, you know, and you know, here's here's the last but not least. Last but not least. I hope you're still listening. I hope you didn't just fast forward past this because if you did, you suck. Uh, Perseverance Survival. You guys know Perseverance Survival makes those whoopee hoodies. Right now, they're the craze. People go crazy over these whoopee hoodies. He's got this one, the, the tiger stripe pattern. I have it right now. And I love it. Um, I'll make sure I take some pictures and post it for you guys. But you guys check them out at um, PerseveranceSurvival.com. You can check them out on on uh, Instagram at Perseverance underscore Survival, and you'll see what I'm talking about. If you love whoobies, you'll love a whoobie hoodie. All right, guys, we'll get to the podcast right now. I got my boy here, the real... Uh, how is it? The real, uh, your, your fight name. The is, real OC. The real OC. That it, didn't that, age well. That comes from O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. Everyone calls me OC. No one calls me Sean. They don't? No. Oh, I, sorry. I'm learning. I'm going to start calling you OC. <laughs> no, My okay. bad. I feel you, like I'm you not. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. It didn't yeah. age well, bro, because that show. It, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> look, this, this is, <laughs> I'm glad we're starting with this embarrassing bullshit. This is how it started, right? Like, when I started fighting back in 07... All that stuff, like, there was, like, a bunch of OC shows, like, OC Chopper, Oxycontin was a street drug all of a sudden. Yeah. And so, like, I was called OC from, like, my childhood. Everyone called me OC. Yeah. And then Johnny Ritchie, I don't know if you know yeah, Johnny Yeah, Johnny Ritchie, Rockwell from Rockwell. Yeah, yeah. So, my first fight, he was announcing or whatever. And he's like, what do they call you? I'm like, well, everyone just calls me LC. And he's just like, oh, LC, like that, you know, like Orange County. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like the like, TV show with the girls, the kids, yeah. the teenage kids. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, you're not, you're not just OC, you're the real OC. I'm like, actually, I like that, the real OC. Because there were so many other OCs on the market at the time. Yeah. Now, it just sounds like I'm stuck in 07. <laughs> Dude, is it the, the, the OC movie, uh, the TV show, it went on for years. Yeah. That was a good show. That's one of the shows that I watched overseas oh, where man. you just kind of take your time overseas and watch anything, and that was available <laughs> to me, and I loved it. The garbage show, but whatever. It was all right. It was it was okay. right. There's some love in there. Yeah. That's, where, that's Rachel Beeson was the first time I seen her. I was like, she's awesome awesome actress yeah yeah there's a bunch of like bunch of those early 2000s like starlets yeah and then they all just disappeared off i that. know like she's the only there. one that continues to do stuff yeah yeah the other one i don't even i think mishka something burton i think was the other girl yeah she, I, I don't even know what the hell that's, she a, is that's what i was thinking of yeah, yeah she just disappeared she's gone yeah she's yeah. gone can i get a lifetime movie or something there's gonna be where are they now and she's gonna be working <laughs> at chick-fil-a <laughs> <laughs> I might be there soon too, so I can't make fun of that shit. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with working for a living. No, no, not at all. That's uh, dude. That's what I do. Like I, I, I was so close to signing up for um, Uber the other day because Park, because in Park City was a Sundance Film Festival. Yeah. And dude, it's hot. It's like I was talking to my own Uber driver. He's like, bro, we make a lot of money during the time. I was like. Bro, I got nothing going on. <laughs> I might go ahead and Uber it up for a few weeks. Plus, you meet some interesting people, probably. It's the best part about it, man. Is I've, I was actually an Uber driver at one point. I, really? I, yeah, I've done a lot of different weird jobs. Uh, there was a point where I walked away from the Border Patrol, and that's when Article 15 was was kind of transitioning with Black Rifle. Yeah. And I wasn't on the Black Rifle side of things. I was more working on the Article 15. So money was a little scarce because I just walked away from a fucking federal job that I was paying pretty well. Yeah. Thinking I can manage my budget, I, I was living well above what I should be. <laughs> um, and so I've never been good with money. And so I started doing a car salesman, and then when I was done, I started doing freaking Uber. And so that was what I was supplementing my money with. And and. It was cool. It was like no one knew who I was. So it wasn't embarrassing. Yeah. Now I thought about like, man, I might, I might have someone be like, dude, aren't you, aren't you the guy on the mines? I'm like, yeah. And then they're gonna go to their friend, like, boo, you wouldn't believe who my fucking Uber <laughs> driver was. <laughs> they're not paying well on FX. 
Uh, dude, I have six kids and fucking. You got six kids? Yeah, you didn't know that. There's I a lot you don't know. know about me. We're getting closer. Like, yeah. we're, the it's closest, true. We're getting to know each other. We're getting. To, we rolled. That was the closest we've ever been physically. Yeah. yeah. It was a good. It was a good session. It was good. It was a good. We session. do that more. I, I'm getting lazy right now. I just had um, stem cell treatment. Really? Yeah, dude. And, and I had a. So I'll, I'll kind of explain that one. Um, there's a nonprofit called Time for Heroes, and they they are funding fully funding a stem cell treatment for veterans with a rating of TBI. So I have a TBI rating, uh, traumatic brain injury. We obviously know yeah, you're yeah. in the fight game. Yeah, you guys do the same thing. And um, so they flew us out to the Bahamas. It's a kind of a different procedure than what you see here in the United States. They don't take it like from stem cells that are donated. They're actually taking it from our own bodies. Hmm. And so they're removing some fat cells and they're spitting it in, from our own body and re-injecting it into ours. And so they inject into the back of my neck, my, my problem areas, right? Back of my neck, my, my lower back of my knees. And then they did an IV therapy with the rest of it. The IV therapy alone was like something like 5 billion you know, stem cells. And yeah. so the goal is, and what the research has shown is that stem cell treatments through IV treat the brain. Really? Yeah. And so what happens is IV, well, I'm learning, right? I'm not the scientist in the fucking at all, but stem cell treatment, um, the stem cells kind of attach to the problem areas, mm -hmm. you know, especially that's why they do the direct, they do direct, hopefully it just holds onto that area and starts working on that area. It takes months. It takes from three to six months to actually start noticing a difference and for it to actually start doing its job. But the IV therapy is hoping it's going to go directly to the brain trauma and hopefully start working out some of the kinks, right? Some of the that's issues. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's super cool. And so, um, I don't mind being a being the guinea pig for something like that, you know, especially if it's going to help, you know, um, I think it's cool for me. It's good for me. But at the same time, like if that's something I can now hand to other veterans, like, look, here's a program for TBI that can help you with memory. And you don't know me very well. So you, so you don't follow my social media probably until recently. But I mean, people that follow me know that I've lost my debit card. It's probably about 15 times a year is what happens. Wow. It's just, I forget. And it's not even, I feel like this blackout moments where I just keys, wallet and freaking debit cards. No clue what the fuck they're at. And they're, they're just gone. And it's, it's something about like, if I have too many things on my mind, one part of it that my, my subconscious is thinking so much that my conscious is doing shit that I don't even know. Yeah. And so there's no memory of it. And so I can even just leave it on the table and walk out and be like, Oh, I don't even know where the fuck it went. And so this is weird thing from, from just brain injuries. And, and I, and I don't, I can't blame it all completely on military. I was a football player as well. Yeah. I was also grew up boxing. So I've done a lot of sparring with guys I shouldn't have been in the ring with. Right. Sure. And so, um, just, I think it's just a duration of a lot of head trauma is why I have these little issues. And so when I went to go do the x-rays for the VA and they're like, Oh yeah, you have TBI. I was like, I probably had that before the military too. Yeah. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I can't ridicule you for that because I went from football to fighting, fighting, right? Like brain bashing has been my it, whole life. It's, it's crazy. Do you feel like there's been a big difference in your I guess cognizant thinking, sleep, and, and just different patterns. So I don't, but here, here's the tough thing for me. I don't know what I would have been like. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because there's no baseline testing against the life that I've lived. Right. So, like, would I have been some super genius cure cancer if I hadn't right. sacrificed so many billion brain cells over the years? Or am I just this dumb naturally? Is there, is there things that maybe your mom notices? Like, ah, son, you're talking with a little bit of a, a stutter these days or something like that? No, I think that the only thing that's noticeable is I have, like, my mood. Yeah. I'm a lot, I have a more violent mood swings than the average dude, right. I think. And I think that if you're going to attribute any part of my personality to TBI or to yeah. CTE or CTE, to right. anything like that, I think that's one that I'm going to keep an eye on as I get a little bit older. Right. Because I, uh, yeah, it's real easy to ride that wave where, you know, you're a little manic and then the next yeah. day or, you know, later that night or whatever, you're just like, oh, I don't I, even feel like doing anything, you know? Yeah. So, so it's kind of the spectrum of, of from super calm to super, super irate kind of thing, you yeah. know? And, and it, it's crazy that the, all the studies on CTE are super freaking scary, man. Or, yeah. you know, and, 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 that's a crazy thing about like how much I love the fight game. And, and just so you understand, like my father was, was a, grew up in New York. He was a boxer, not like a organized boxer. He's just a street fighter gang member turned freaking Marine, yeah. right? Is what he did. Uh, he was doing some boxing in the Marines and that's where he really kind of fell in love with the sport even more. 
our family was the type of family that would sit in front of the, the, the TV watching fights. My mom and my dad would be like, hey, Alice, stop stop washing dishes. Get over here. The fights are starting. And so we'd sit as a family and watch this. Like families would watch freaking, I don't know, Full House, <laughs> right? We watch boxing. You yeah. know what I mean? And so this is like legitimately our family culture was fighting. Like it's crazy to think my mom loves boxing like loves it you know and she goes oh i love oscar de la Hoya. he's so cute and he's a good boxer i'm like what the fuck right <laughs> but, and this is my mom right but my dad loves box so we grew up in the ring we grew up training we grew up yeah. fighting my dad would set up two freaking chairs in the front grass and just let me just box and the next dude who walks up you know kids get off the bus and so uh not efficiently trained my dad didn't really have the skill sets he wasn't afraid of roach or anything but he did know enough that i knew how to throw a jab i knew how to get inside i knew just the basics sure um and this was our life, you know what I mean? And then by chance, my sister married a boxer. Uh, his name is Jeremy Williams. They call it his, his last fight name was Half Man, Half Amazing. Um, and he had, a, he had an incredible career. He honestly, all in all, I think it's like, you know, it's somewhere in the 48 wins and it's probably six losses and something like 42 knockouts. Like wow. solid, solid career. Yeah. He actually had a great amateur career. I believe he's in the Amateur Hall of Fame. Like it's just, so he's an incredible boxer. Yeah. And so we got to, I mean, he's been a part of my life since I was pretty much junior high. And so we're, I'm going to Friday night fights. I'm going to his fights. We're going to the gym. We're helping him, you know, cut weights, bar, all the whole thing, fully engulfed family. And then, uh, you know, we got to see the demise of him as well. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, he's been boxing since he was eight and boxing is a lot different than MMA, right? This is continual, continual beat down on the head. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what I mean? Even after you get in trouble. Right. That's the big difference that people don't necessarily yeah. recognize all right time. you got the shutoff switch in, in mma pretty much you yeah. know you, you, your body feels the trauma and, and most of the time it just goes to sleep you right. know what i mean and, so and even done. if it doesn't and you're flopping around and you're like the referee just stops it there right you don't get the 10 count to shake out the cobwebs yeah and it's crazy so i was watching boxing weekend and you see it man you see refs that just let it go i'm like dude stop this man yeah. and the cushion of the gloves a little bit more padding a more duration of hitting you know what i mean and yeah. so um, now we're starting to see a lot of signs in him and, and they're divorced now, but we started to see a lot of signs in him that it's like, it's hard to watch, man. Someone who loves the game, loves fighting, loves MMA, but also knows when you step in that ring, you're, you're definitely risking your life yep. every single time. And, and it's crazy to me to think to sit back as, as a fan, um, we enjoy watching this, right? Yeah. Like we're paying for this. The reason it's <laughs> such, like the reason you, people are making so much money in this as fighters and, and. And I don't think it's enough, right? Like, like there's only certain fighters I think are getting paid that are like, okay, you're making good money. Shut right. up, you know? Um, but we're the fucking assholes on the other side paying for this. Like, yes, fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is a weird, but it's like a human instinct thing, right? We don't have, most of us, right? Right. Don't have combat as part of our life, like part right. of our daily life. We are a combative species right. in general. Like, we don't have to fight for our survival like we used to. So now it's become a sport thing. And every other sport is just a simulation of that that combat, that one versus one thing, yeah. right? Like team sports are that. It's it's that primal thing in us. It, we all love it, yeah. right? And men, women, whomever. And it's like I, my wife's family is very well-to-do, you know, upper crust, like the country club set. Yeah. And I was a little nervous when we met that they were going to be like, oh, this guy. Like, yeah. But they are more enthusiastic about it probably than like my middle class background. Really? Like, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it completely ignores, the fight game completely ignores your socioeconomic status, your yeah. background. It either speaks to you or it doesn't. And right. whether it's good or bad, it speaks to a good majority of people, I think. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, you know, being in a relationship, I was always nervous. Like, you know, am I going to find someone that loves fighting like me? Because it takes up a lot of my time of how many different fight venues I DVR yeah. and I sit there and watch and I analyze. Like, I call myself, I'll sometimes write these little articles and I haven't wrote one in probably a year, but I call it like myself the, the amateur analyst, right? Because I, I'm by far not a professional, but. I love the, I love it so well on all, so many aspects, and my wife enjoys it just as much, which makes it like, whoa, dude, this is cool because, I mean, if I'm at a kid's party, I'm like cutting it short because we got to go home. There's yeah. fights on, and There's I need to, I need to watch these because if I if I go onto my freaking Instagram and someone fucking ruins it for me, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, by the way, in the era of social media, it used to be, you just don't like. You used to pop the tape into your VCR, or whatever, record the game, yeah, and you just like. 
you tell like three people, hey, don't tell me. Like, yeah. I'm not answering the phone. Social media now, you can't avoid Dude, it. Dude, it kills me. I'll shut my phone off on days where I know I'm late to the, to the fight. Like, someone told me, like, bro, did you see Cerrone fight? It was amazing. I'm like, you motherfucker. I already know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it kills me, dude, because I love, I don't know, the fight game for me is like, uh, if I wasn't a college baseball player, I wish it competed earlier in fighting. And then as I got older, I was like, man, I kept making these excuses. Like I competed in the army. I competed yeah. in the army combatives programs. Uh, I taught the army combatives programs for years. I got out and started, I was a border patrol agent. I started training. I was doing amateur boxing for like those smokers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it wasn't fair because I had a lot of experience compared to guys who didn't have experience and they just want to enjoy it. So I started coaching a team and I started getting into now. I'm going to just go ahead and coach guys because I think it's more fun for me because I'm at the age where if, if I get hurt, no one else is making money in this family. So the kids are going to starve. And so it just kept going. So now I became like I was managing fires in Texas actually for a while and just trying to get them like make sure they weren't getting thrown from into the wolves. You know what yeah. I mean? And in that whole concept. So I started taking the back seat to fighting and hopefully trying to manage fighters or help fighters get into it. And, um, and then it just got so busy with article 15, and all the other stuff that I just kind of stepped out. Now I just get to watch it and, you know, and, and, and I still try to train and as well as now having kids, I'm like developing, I wouldn't say future fighters, but at least people that are, I don't know. They're, they're at least well known to, to protect themselves when needed. Yeah. You know, and I think that's probably for me is the best of best defense against bullying. Right. Like there's always bullying, bullying, bullying. Like, you know, don't be, be nice to each other. I think there's always going to be bullying. There always will. Be. There, yeah. There's never going to stop that. When we were younger, we were able to just punch him in the fucking face. And all of a sudden you're eating lunch with the dude the next day and you guys are friends. Yeah. It's this weird space that it was just okay. You just punch him and you guys are like, all right, fuck it. We're not fighting no more. That sucked for both of us. Emotionally sucked. Physically sucked. Now we're friends. Or they just stayed away from each other from then on. Yeah. Right? Because they know you're willing to engage. Kids were raised these days without that. And, and for whatever reason, society is, you know, it's kind of participation award slash like just a kinder, gentler world. Um, I'm not like that with my kids, right? I, I teach them the fundamentals of fighting for the, like, you're going to protect yourself or yeah. your brothers and sisters. Like this family we fight for protecting ourselves or others in need it. And that's, that's, that's something for me is, is what my father taught me. It's what I've believed in. It's why I served the military. Like, I'm going to protect others who can't. Yeah. And so I raised my kids that way. And some people might see it as maybe a little harsh because society kind of deems fighting harsh. I see it as like, fuck, it's awesome to watch my 13-year-old daughter throw a punch when she needs to protect herself. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a confidence that comes from knowing... You can get yourself out of a jam yeah. knowing that you don't have to sit and take whatever scary or emotionally damaging or whatever scenario you're put into. And I don't have kids. My first kid is on the way. I'm, I'm excited about it, scared about it. Yeah, right? it's the scariest thing ever. But at the same time, I know that my parents, even though my parents were not like your parents, right? Yeah. They're, not, they're not people who enjoy watching fights. They're very academic and whatever. Like they, they taught, they taught my brother and my sister and myself, look, if things are going bad and there's no way for you to get out of this, except you have to defend yourself, right? you have full license to defend yourself. Yeah. Like you can do whatever you want, you know, kick and scratch and scream and headbutt and punch and do whatever yeah. you need to do. And like I participated as a youth, I participated in the traditional bat and ball sports and, you know, yep. develop your coordination and your confidence and things like that. For whatever it's worth, when I was a little kid, I thought I was a tough kid. So I had that confidence. If yeah. something bad was going to happen, if someone was going to try and mistreat me, I wasn't just going to take it because right. I knew there were other avenues. Yeah. And I think that's really important for kids. Huge. I think it's huge. I think that's the, a lot of kids that get bullied. Well, so bullying turns into other things these days. Like bullying back in the day, you know, it's like uh, uncomfortable to go to school until you handle it. But nowadays you have... For some reason, we have a suicide epidemic. Like, and yeah. people don't talk about that, right? For some reason, like you and Utah alone has a huge epidemic of youth suicides. Yeah, and it could be, you could say it's maybe um, the pressures of faith because there's a lot of faith here. It yeah. could be that, but I know there's a lot of bullying going on, and and it's like for me, it's like, man, if my kid felt so bullied that they had no other way out, like the way to ease their pain was to, to to commit suicide. It's like, that's a hard thing. Like, what am I not giving them a tool? And I hope like, again, there's no explanation for any of that. I just hope that my kid, I hope that I'm giving them the tools to like, you know what, defend yourself, defend yourself. And it's a point to it where you feel like you're, you're, you're stuck. Call dad. Yeah. You know, and, and look, suicide's been going on for a long time. And when we were younger, it wasn't as big of a problem. And right. I think, I think there's a lot of wonderful things about our modern technology age. Yeah. But 
there's research going into this, and in my opinion is that the inability of kids to completely disengage from the peer group that's maybe bullying them or yeah. whatever. Like when we went home from school, if you got bullied at school or if there was a kid at school you didn't like or, you know, the, the girl you had a crush on didn't reciprocate that. Yeah. And, you know, you went home from school and you were separated from it for whatever the next 12 hours or however long it is. Right. And for kids nowadays, it's harder for them to completely disengage. Yeah, because you got all the social media outlets where people continuing to harass. If you're bullied at school, you're probably bullied 10 times more on your Instagram and your Facebook and your Snapchat and whatever else. Ugh. And and look, I, I still think that, you know, kids need to be equipped with the tools and the confidence to like, look, what they say doesn't matter. But the perspective you have when you're 12 and yeah. 15 no, it's tough. is completely different. Yeah, rep and reputation is important for some reason. Yeah, your peer group is, is everything and yeah. popularity at school is everything and all that. And we get to look back on it in hindsight and say none of that actually mattered. Right. But if we're realistic with ourselves, and we it mattered for us then too. <laughs> it mattered so much. It mattered so much. It was everything. It, it was, was everything. everything. Your status yeah. at school was everything. And I was fortunate to have a good group of friends. And I think my grade in the school I went to yeah. was overall pretty accepting and pretty integrative. And we, you know, I went to a, my 10 year reunion like seven years ago. Yeah. And I was really happy to see that, like, the burnout kids were there and like the, you know, the popular kids were there and the jocks were there and the nerds were there. Everyone was there, but I was like, Oh man, I, I'm really happy to see that even the kids who maybe didn't have the traditional successful high school background of popularity and stuff. Yeah. They came to the reunion because they were like, yeah, I was part of this. Yeah. They're, they're all on even playing field now. It's and like they yeah. all, you know, life. Oh, High school wasn't life. <laughs> yeah, but it was really cool to like catch up with people and you know like I thought that was neat and I thought it was a good demonstration of like okay I I got lucky. Yeah, not every kid gets lucky, dude. I I try to tell this to my daughter because my twenty year uh, reunion is coming up. Yeah, it's coming up this year, and um, you know people are talking about it on on social media and and I only have a few friends from high school I still talk to. It's just. Everyone kind of goes, lives their lives. And I was telling my daughter, like my oldest is 16 and I think she's, she's naive enough to like really believe that status is important. You yeah. know, in high school, she still believes like the popular kids is where you want to be. And, and I'm always, me and her are always going headbutt. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, trust me. I wasn't the coolest kid in school. Um, and, and, and it didn't matter. Like no matter what I did in school, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? I just needed, I, sh I wish I did better in my education and not so yeah. much worry about my status. You know, I was the prom king and for no other reason that I was friends with a lot of people. I, I wasn't the guy that like, I was in every, I was in an art group. I was in the Hispanic freaking club. I was in the black American club. I was in all kinds of different clubs, man. For, Cause I was just like, I'm friends with everyone. I played, I played baseball. I played football. I played in the summer basketball. So I just knew a lot of people. Yep. Definitely way more cooler kids than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so I was like, it didn't matter. It did, like high school doesn't do anything for you. And all those people now are like, oh, dude, you have really you're, you're an acting now. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, it's I got lucky. Like you're saying, like I just got lucky. But it's funny to see all the people in my 20 year union and to see like some of the most people who I believe would be successful probably took different turns in their life. You know what I mean? Because sure. after high school, you actually really start dealing with life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people start making decisions that affect you seriously i have really good buddies that end up going to prison for making one mistake you yep. know what i mean and that kind of snowballed into others and and it's just it's this crazy thing like high school is so insignificant in your life when you actually look back and look at it yep. but these kids now you know you know they uh that's why i try i don't know also as a dad it's like i'm not going to be here forever be able to take care of yourself yeah, yeah and that's that's my maybe number one fear with a kid on the way i don't know what my parents did specifically yeah. that instilled the irrational confidence in me that right. i have like i i know a lot of people pretend like oh i don't care if people say bad like i really don't care i mean i might get offended that like you are not showing me respect right but when i go home i don't carry that home with me yeah. like well I'll maybe be confrontational with you about it yeah. but i'm not gonna go home and stew on it forever like i feel good about myself my life in a, a lot of situations and i i don't know why i have this irrational confidence <clears throat> but something my parents did along the way allowed me to be that way and i hope i can do that for i got a little girl coming oh it's a girl that's what was yeah. the question that was a question okay, especially cool. for a daughter i think that's going to be oh, super dude. super important dude it's it's the great i just actually posted i you know i have the drink it bros group you know about all that oh yeah and there's a Drinker Bros um, dad's group. And I just did a video saying, hey, 
and, and I just these had these thoughts and I'm like, you know what? I might as well share it with the rest of these dads because I'm a father of six, man. So understanding a lot like of kids, man. I'm experiencing a lot of different things at once as well, right? When what I thought I knew yesterday changed today, you know, and, and I told him, I was like, you know, you are the biggest influence in your kids' lives from about, from the time they're born to about 16, 17, then they start looking at other, other people to look up to. Right. Yeah. But until then you are the best leader in their life. You are the biggest influence in their life and the things that you do that you think they don't see, they watch and they learn and they take from you. I was like, so are you living, are you being the best role model for your kids? Are you leading from the front? Are you leading by example? Just a question to ask yourself every day, because that's the fear that I have is like, I have there's lazy moments in my life that I, you know, I'm not getting off the couch. I'm like, hey, man, grab me a soda. You know what I mean? And there's times where I'm like, all right, let me go help with the trash. Which one are they going to take? Right? Yeah. Like, like, I don't, <laughs> right. you know, are, are they going to be like, ah, my dad always sat there and asked for a soda. Like, I didn't <laughs> always do that, but you know what? I did it sometimes. Yeah. And is, are they going to take that one? Or are they going to be like, Hey, let me go help you guys with the trash and go help them. Like, what side are they going to take from that? I have six kids and all six have six different personalities and I raise them all the same. That's the weird thing about kids, And they're kids, all man. fucking different, dude. And it drives me crazy to be like, what the fuck did I do with this one right? And what the <laughs> fuck did I do this wrong? You know what I'm saying? And so when you say like, I, I don't know what my parents did, like they don't know either, right? Yeah. They were just good people trying to just do their best. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we're going to do with our kids. But it's this like, you also wish you had that answer so then you could like, let me just hand you this confidence that's good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me... Because I have two, my two oldest daughters are 13 and 16, 16 and 13. 13 is going to high school next year, right? So, yep. but they're two different personalities, man. I can freaking tell the 13-year-old like, hey, stand here. Don't move until I come back. She will not freaking move. And I come back to the 16-year-old and she's probably painted the whole wall. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? You know, and, and it's so interesting to see this dynamic of like, so in, in the military, I've learned how leadership works really well because of all the different courses I've been to. But leadership is really defining like, I lead you specific to your leadership styles, right? That you're comfortable with. And I lead this person. Everyone's different. Yep. The way you were raised is different the way that I was raised. Someone could lead me easily by saying, hey, listen, motherfucker, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't do this. I'm like, I'm there. Whatever you need. Run through that wall. I'm there. You know? And then there's other guys that you'd be like, listen, um, I need you to do this for me. All right? Can I, can I rely on you to do that? Right? Yep. And that, that instilling that trust in them. They don't want to disappoint. And that goes a long way with leadership. The tyrant days are over right like and i can say my father was more of a tyrant than he was a mentor but my father my grandfather was a fucking tyrant sure <laughs> from hell and so my father kind of took from that and he became a father that he wanted to be because the father wasn't really around he was in prison a lot he, when he was around he wasn't a fucking good picture you know yeah and so my father kind of turned it into here's my version of dad you yeah. know what i mean and it was a softer version of what his dad did but it wasn't the softest and now me i'm like well, I don't want to be too fucking soft either because I think boys need to learn how to be strong men in their relationships as much as the women need to be strong women. Yep. You know, because I saw a strong female role model from my mother. And I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. The, the, my, my mom was probably the dominant personality in the house. Now, and you know what? The undertone of my family, my mother made the decisions. Yeah. really was. But my father was definitely the enforcer, right? So I think my mom was like... Get him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's exactly how it was in my house. Like my dad, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was work your ass off, sometimes gone 16, yeah. 18 hours a day. Uh, made a very good living, but definitely worked for it. And my mom was like her job. Yeah. The division of labor was my dad's going to bring home the bacon. My mom is going to run a tight ship at home. Yeah. And so she was very much... Uh, the decision maker and like who needed to be disciplined. Right. But then my poor dad would come home after I didn't understand this when I was a kid, but obviously I do now. My dad <laughs> would come home after working 12 hours and my dumb ass is like, you know, broken the screen door or something yeah. like that. And it's my dad, my mom would be like, yeah, guess who shoved his brother through the screen door. Yeah. And then my dad would have to go from being like literally stepping out of the car. Yeah. Long day at work. Who knows what issues he dealt with at work. He's got this little shithead kid Dude. who just, couldn't, yeah. couldn't act right for the whole day and now he's got to put a whooping on yeah. his son he's got the honey do list like here's what happened here's what you need to take care of yeah and but I, my mom's the one who's just like yeah. this is who's written the wrong yeah and this is the one you need to yell at or go smack. handle it yeah. go handle it <laughs> exactly and, and funny well i get the texts i get the text like so it's so different these days right i get the text, so i know what's going on before i get home yeah she's like all right listen he lied about his homework he did this this i'm like Ugh. All right, got it. I'll deal with them when I get home. Yeah. And you got to put on the face, right? Because, like, dude, I'm not really mad at these kids. Kids are fucking kids, dude. That was right. terrible, dude. Right. But at the same time, there's points where, like, okay, this is a, a major negative in my head. Like, like, he disrespected a teacher. Okay, that's something serious that I feel can be 
we need to knock it, nip it in the butt now because yep. that's a bad one. But like, oh, you, you forgot two assignments. I'm like, eh. You know, I'm like, I used to forget a lot of assignments. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, you need to fix that, right? Don't be doing that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then walk away, I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. Because yeah, parenting is such a weird thing, right? Like, uh, dude, it, it drives me nuts, man. It's funny because. I, like I said, I've learned from my father the way he raised me, and I toned it down a little bit for my kids. But like you know, and sometimes I feel like maybe I can tone it down more, or maybe if I tone it down too much, they won't be like me. Yeah. Like for instance, here's the crazy thing in my family, and I don't know if, if you're cool talking about family. I don't know where this thing yeah, just kind of went off wherever it went. It, it, it goes wherever it goes. <laughs> but I fell in love with baseball at an early age, like fell in love with the sport. I'm talking, I wrote about it. I, I did it every day. I told my parents I want to play a professional baseball my whole life. And so I'm waiting for one of my kids to fall in love with something. They have not fallen in love with any sports, any activity, anything. And I'm wondering, like, did you have a love for a sport at an early age? Oh yeah. F- Football is my first That was love. it. That was, that's your thing. So for me, it was interesting because as a little, little kid, I played, you know, my parents, despite not being sporty themselves, right. they knew, they, they recognized like the social value of getting your kids into sports. So I was like t-ball, soccer, all that stuff. And my grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather, he and I are like, uh, whatever, maybe it skips a generation, but my grandfather and I are very, very alike. Yeah. He wrestled, he he played football in college. He was in the Marines and boxed and wrestled in the Marine Corps. He he ended up the last wrestling tournament he ever entered and won. He was like fifty two years old. So he just kept doing it. Oh, that's cool. All through his life, and um, yeah. So he and I were just weirdly similar. And he would when he'd come to visit, he would sit me down and I would watch football games with him. And when you're like four, yeah. An NFL football game is it's, the longest yeah, damn thing in the world. It's the boringest thing in the world. It's so stupid, yeah. right? And he'd be like, no, no, sit down. I want you to watch this guy and this guy. And he would kind of like, even when I was way too young to understand it, he would explain some things to me yeah. and I would watch like an individual matchup or something in yeah. a game. And I'd just be like, oh, that's the strong guy. Okay, I yeah. want to be the strong guy. And so I, because of that, and because my grandmother loved football and whatever, football was my first love. Like, yeah. I, and... Going, coming up through Little League and high school and even into college, like, football was it. I was like, that's where all my focus and effort right. and energy went. And it was it was because of family, weirdly. Even my parents were just like, if you get good grades, you can play football. Yeah. So it's a trip. So you said, like, I was the same about baseball. It, it was everything to me. I traveled around, everything. I, I played college ball before I joined the military. Um, my kids don't have that, though. And it, I don't know if it's a generation thing, dude. I don't know if it's something about the generation thing. But I have a friend whose son, like, loves wrestling. Like, yeah. stupid loves wrestling. And I'm like, man, that's really cool to see. But then I'm like, I'm the dad who was just completely in love with the sport. My wife was completely in love with gymnastics. She did. She was a tumbler. So she competed in tumbling throughout all the United States and everything. So we both had this, like, strong love for something early on in our life. None of our kids have that. And I'm like... Oh my God, <laughs> what did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, where did I, what did I do wrong? Like, what, yeah. what was the step I missed that my dad did? Or, or, or what is it? Because like my oldest one, she plays different sports, but I don't see that love. I don't see the, like she's, she's doing wrestling right now, but she's wrestling a lot of boys and she's struggling. I'm like, all right, baby, we got to do some fitness, right? We need to do some leg workouts. We need to do some push-up, pull-ups. Goes, ah, dad, I don't really want to. I'm like, okay, keep getting your ass kicked, right? Like, like, here we yeah. go. It's a choice. But it's different because if it was me and my dad's like, hey, we need to do this. I'm like, all right, fool. If he goes, hey, we need to go outside and hit for another hour. Sounds good, dad. Let's go. Is that going to make me better? Let's do it. And none of them have this. It's this weird thing, man. I don't get. I have two nine-year-olds. We call them twins. But it's my wife's uh, daughter, my son. We're a blended family. Yeah. Uh, but, but we all live, you know, we have them all the time. Um, and the two twins are the only ones that are really solid athletes. But still, I don't see no love from them yet. And I'm like, man, that's nine years old. You're, yeah. you're four years past when I fell in love with the sport, you know? It's a trip, man. I don't know if it's a generational thing or, or what. It scares me because, you know, I, they, they're, they're also, when they fail, they fail hard. And instead of like, eh, you lost, who cares? And like, you're not going to be a fucking nine-year-old state champ and actually give a shit. Like, who yeah. cares? You know, they don't, they don't follow on to college and be like, look, he was also the nine-year-old state champ. Yeah, like, no one cares. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. But like, they, it eats them up. And it's like, they don't want to do it ever again. And I'm like, huh. no, 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 no. That's not okay. We're going to keep, you're going to keep failing. I'm cool right. with it. It's this different thing, man, because 
baseball is failure. And I, and I, I was like, I fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, well, baseball more than really anything else is yeah, failure. It is. The I, best in the I, world are successful three out of ten times are up to 30%. Bat. 30%. It's fucking stupid. You're a Hall of Famer if you actually you finish your career at, the, at a 30%. Yes. It, that's the thing. And I tell people, like, I think that really is what I can con- uh, attribute to having strong resiliency is probably my years in life of baseball. Um, I think sports is good for building resiliency, especially if, you, if you've had mediocre success. You've lost a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? Football, you lose a lot. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. There's, there's very few... Uh, of those people that have the Derek Jeter fucking careers, <laughs> you show up and win like you fuck. But I think that's why sports is to me is really important because of that. But I think the two best sports for kids is wrestling and baseball, for the two different reasons. You're never gonna find a grind that wrestling gives. No, there's no, there's no. I was in special operations selections and watching these freaking wrestlers jump up and down and roll around and never even flinch. And I'm like, what the hell? They're like, dude, I've had harder practices. I'm like, you kidding me? I'm dying. I'm a baseball player, bro. Like, this is crazy to me. And these dudes had no issues. Like, they're, the thought of quitting was like, bro, are you kidding me? This is, they're I had most, two, no. Wrestlers are like some of the most impressive people on the planet. I agree. And I, agree. And I wish I knew that. In high school, we would make fun of wrestlers because of singlets, right? Like, that's yeah. just our era of, I don't want to look like an idiot, bro. Chicks are going to laugh at me. Yeah. Look, I can see his balls. I don't want to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's how my mentality was. And then as I get older and, I, and I'm freaking competing in the army and I'm getting my ass handed to me. I can throw hands and I was good at jujitsu at the time for, for at the level of I was at, I was, I was good. Yeah. I wasn't a wrestler though, man. And those guys beat the shit out of me. Like it was relentless. And that's the only word I can say is what they were relentless. Yeah. I mean, I wrestled in high school and I wish that I had taken it. Wrestling was a stopgap between one football season and the next football season. It was season. your conditioning it was like, phase. Yeah. My... <laughs> Our offensive line coach on the football team was the wrestling coach. And he was like, if you wrestle, I promise you'll be better at football. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's enough. Sounds good. <laughs> so that's why I wrestled in hindsight. And again, hindsight is the most glorious and awful thing in the world, right? <laughs> like football stopped for me at age 22. Yeah. I got, I graduated college. I wasn't going to the NFL. I'm not a genetic freak. Yeah. You know, so that it was over for me. Wrestling, wrestling has been relevant in my life until ever since. Ever since, like you know, as a fighter, it's huge. If I had, if I had taken wrestling more seriously as a youth and in high school, and maybe wrestled in college instead of playing football in college, who knows what would have been different in my career? Yeah, you probably could have had a a, a different career, a whole different career. Yeah, right. And look again, and you've had a great career. I had, I had a lot of fun. You've had a great career, pretty decent career. But like, would I have been? Randy Couture, if I had wrestled right. instead, probably not. Would I have been Ryan Bader at least? Right. Well, maybe because yeah. I look at him and I'm just like, yeah, we have a lot of similarities. Yeah, he has. He's had a better career than me. He was in the UFC longer than me. He just became champ, champ, champ Bellator. Bellator yeah, right. Knocked out a legend in Fedor. Yep. Like he and I, he he might be genetically slightly superior to me, but he and I have a lot of similarities. Yeah. So could I have had that career if I'd have been more serious about wrestling? Probably. Probably so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy, man. In, in, in for many years, wrestling, uh, uh, a wrestling foundation has been a very dominant force in UFC. Yeah. And, and it's like, whether, whether you're actually still wrestling or you could be throwing hands, but you always have that go-to and it's been very, very successful yeah. of bridging that gap between the strikers and the jiu-jitsu guys. Like, you know, if you're a wrestler, you're fucking A, you can do whatever you right. want. You, pe- people don't realize some of the more formidable strikers in MMA have wrestling bases. John Jones wrestled in college. Yeah. Right. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson. You yes. just talked about him. He was a junior college all American. Yep. Like those guys. And the reason why they trust their hands is because they can avoid a takedown. Yeah. And even, <laughs> even if, you know, even if you throw the nastiest, heaviest hook in the world and you end up spinning yourself backwards, right. Someone takes you down. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm going to get back. Just up. get right back up. Yeah. That's the thing, dude. And so, so my, my having kids and just, you know, I grew up, teaching at the combatives house. I was a, I was a combatives instructor at one time at Fort Sill and my, I have little kids that weren't in school. So I just bring them with me. So they grew up and seeing it. They grew up around yeah. it. And, and I actually tried to put them in jujitsu at first, right? At first it was karate. And I was like, ah, get the hell out. <laughs> it drove me nuts. Right. For yeah. some reason I couldn't do it. Maybe partly me ego and, and, and two, like, no, fuck That's off. That's not how it works. <laughs> Yeah. Your, your forms are pretty, but that's not what it's going to look it's like just when a, someone's punching you in the face. I grew up fighting realistically, and I wanted yeah. to teach them realistic. That's going to be beneficial to a real fight. Like, 
for the main concept of protecting themselves, right? Yeah. And so the kung fu thing was not what I liked. So then I put him in jujitsu, and I did a year of jujitsu, and I, I sat there and watched it. And every day I'm thinking like, ah oh, man, I don't know. I'd rather them. I know how easy it is to teach the basic levels of jujitsu at any age. Guys pick up jujitsu at late ages and become very, very successful and comfortable on the ground. I mean, if you get to a blue belt level, you're pretty, pretty solid compared to the average human being. Sure. And it, and it, and it's it obviously it's a journey, but I think it's harder to teach someone wrestling at a later age. And so like, yeah, you're wrestling early on. Yeah. Learn that foundation because one, I, I can't I can't tell you anything about that because I didn't do it until I got older. So learn that now, and then I can teach you hands, and I can teach you jujitsu. Enough that like, okay, you're a pretty solid package, you know, and you can go on to the life and do whatever the hell you want, but at least sure. I know you can protect yourself. Yeah. But it's because wrestling, I mean, I've noticed that. Like, so those are the sports, wrestling and baseball. Wrestling because of the grind, because of the the mental toughness, I believe it builds in you. I think the confidence of the one on one uh, scrap, I think it also desensitizes you to to that if you have to get into the fight, the anxiety of the concept is a lot more calm. Sure. Because that was my issue is the anxiety of a fight, the one-on-one fight is always like, oh, this is going to suck because of the way I was forced into it. I didn't have like, like you're going to fight. I'm like, fuck. So those nerves killed me. And then I got in there, get hit once. I'm like, okay, I'm here. Let's go. And that followed me all the way into it. Dude, I was, you know, 28 years old fighting in the freaking fucking Border Patrol boxing. And I'm still like, hope someone knocks me out before I get on the fucking mat because, <laughs> because I'm nervous. You hey, know what I mean? You know what? Anybody, I, I don't, maybe... There's a few, like a handful of guys, even at the top levels, yeah, who truly have like that serial killer, low basal arousal level yeah. that like makes them dangerous to other human beings. Anyone who tells you they don't get nervous, even at the highest highest levels, they are lying, dude. It's it's. I I was I always thought like maybe I'm not suited for this because I'm nervous out of my ass, like. I want to find every excuse. I want to roll my ankle and break it before I get on the mat. I want to freaking, I want someone to stab me for some reason because they hate yeah. me. You know, no, anything. Dude, in 33 pro fights, up until the very last one, I never had a situation in which I didn't like during the weight cut or at weigh-ins or something be like, oh man, you know what? I bet he'll have like a heart attack and can't get, can't get <laughs> medically cleared. And then I'm off the hook. You know what I mean? Bro, that's so funny, uh, like, dude. Uh, he might, this, it's actually a long walk from these locker rooms to the cage, he might actually just like twist his ankle. And <laughs> you always like try and give yourself Dude, these I, little outs. I, right until they say ding, ding, ding. You're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I'd say this to people all the time. That is a scary, but ultimately super liberating moment. Yeah. When they lock you in and in boxing, it's different because you get in a ring and hey, I guess you, you can jump you back jump out. You but you're not... <laughs> You're not, you're not gonna, gonna survive. Well, you're not gonna yeah, because you're not gonna. But when, the more the embarrassment side is like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but when there's like this moment of realization and in mixed martial arts, it's when they lock the cage. Um, in a street fight, it's when oh, there's there's no cop here to save me. Yeah, like is me or him. Yeah, and street fights are what much more scary, scary. than sport fights, right? But like, there's a moment of realization, and in psychology, they call it fight or flight. Right, where your only option is fight. And it's an amazing moment. Yeah. Because you find out who you are. You find out a lot about yourself. Yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like wrestling puts you in that when you're four years old. Yeah. Where it's like, look, I'm not letting you. Yeah. You can't cry and go sit in the corner. Yeah, you got to wrestle this match. They're going to kick your ass. And yeah. so you can either kick their ass back, fight, yeah. or, or just get the worst of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and no one wants to just get beat. Like no one right. wants to just get pounded. It's a, the human instinct to fight back. Right. And, and, and you know what's crazy is even when you do. Like we've all had those moments where you just get worked, whether it's in the gym or in front of millions of people on television. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that's not the case for you. Like it has been for me a couple of times <laughs> where you're just like, wow, I just got worked. Like, and you want to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. It's over for me, but you can't do that because that feeling is so ugly. Eats you up. That feeling of just being like, wow, I got dominated by another human being is so disgusting to you. Yeah. It's like traumatic and you, okay, I got to fix whatever it was that allowed that to happen. Yeah. Well, it's crazy, man. It's, you know, us as the fans watching and people don't realize Sean O'Connell is, is an MMA fighter, was in the UFC. I mean, if you guys are just not understanding who he is, I'm sorry. I didn't, we just jumped into talking. Yeah, we just, it's fine. Yeah. He, he, he was a U, UFC you can fighter. You can, we can do, record like a real intro and then you can edit it back <laughs> to the front. Who knows? Oh, uh, no. But 
that's where this whole conversation of fighting in, in, in stems from. You know, he just recently, in, and it was a PFL, correct? Yeah. The PFL? Yeah, the Pro Fighters League um, used to be World Series of Fighting, rebranded um, under new management, new structure, went back to the old school tournament style. Yeah. And I won that. I won the light heavyweight tournament. Yeah, so. which is awesome, and, which was crazy to watch. I kept, I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm like, dude, he's getting close. And when you actually won it, it was freaking awesome to watch. And it was cool to actually hold the belt the other day when we were at the gym. Yeah. And um, so you have huge accomplishments and you've had a very awesome career and you've decided recently to retire, correct? Yeah. And there was any reason for that? It's just age or... Well, we talked... We, yeah. Some of those things we talked about, you know, like I block a lot of punches with my face. Yeah. Um, I've taken a lot of damage over the years and I feel relatively unaffected by it. I want to get out before I cross whatever threshold gets crossed by everybody who's right. in the game too long. Right. Yeah. And that's in football and fighting and any combat sport at all. Um, eventually people can see the effect it's had on you. Yeah. Even if it's just like, Oh wow, that nose has been broken so many times. He right. looks weird or whatever, which I wouldn't care about. But like all of us have seen the old school prize fighter and gone, Oh, doesn't it suck how, how he's really slowed down and his speech yeah. is a little bit slurred yeah. and things like that? I I didn't ever want to get to that point. And I finally got you know to a, a situation where I could go out on a high note, winning this tournament, winning the first season. Um, a little good, bit of cushion financially. Yeah. yeah you, like a lot of things that made it like, you know, this is the best time. Right. And, and look, it's already hard. This was a month ago that I announced my retirement. It's already like people are like, yeah, but what if... You could beat that guy. Like yeah. we just we just talked about Ryan Bader, right? Yeah. And Ryan Bader won a heavyweight championship and a light heavyweight championship in Bellator. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I could do something like that. <laughs> if I draw, I could do it in the PFL. Like, let's do it. Right? Like, no, what, but should I come back and and that's, compete as a heavyweight next that's year? That's the hardest thing for me to watch as a fan in fighting is the fighters that continue to come back. Yes. It, and it for eats me, too. me. It eats me alive because like, I get it. Like. I want to go to war every day. I even told my wife, like, look, man, I have a, I have a three month gap. I can jump on a contract real quick, make us some good money yeah. and uh, get back. And she's like, shut up. And I'm like, man, cause it eats at me to be, I want to be still in the fight, you mm -hmm. know? And, and that's why I still try and train. I, I've decided recently I'm going to try and compete in some jujitsu tournaments cause right. I need that chase for some reason. Guys like us need something and it's hard to fill that void with something else. It really Absolutely. is. It's, it's, just you retiring from fighting is like someone getting out of the military for so many years and like this is the way I lived for so many years. Now what? Right? It's it's trying to find that identity again that now makes life relevant again. And even though you're having a child, that's great. But you still for you personally, you're like, but what the fuck am I gonna do? Exactly. Like I'm excited to be dad for her. Yeah. But I also want her to know like who her dad is, for her dad to know who he is, right? Yeah. Like being mom or being dad while that's the most important job that anyone can do, it's not who you are. And I, I never knew that about my parents, right? Yeah. When you're a kid, all your parents are is mom and dad. Yeah, parents. Yeah. But like, as I got older and I started to understand it, like my dad is one of the smartest guys in his field. Like that's who my dad is. Yeah. And he's also my dad. So for me, it's like for so many years, people viewed me as like, he does radio and he's a fighter. He's the fighter guy. Like people don't care about the radio thing. So when you get introduced, it's like, oh yeah, this guy's a pro fighter, which is fine if people want to, want to, you know, identify me that way. But now that's not true about me anymore yeah. if I retire. So what am I? Am I coaching? Am I competing in jujitsu tournaments right. to stay active? Am I just getting fat? Like I got to find something. Dude, it's a hard time, right? Like, so my transition out of the military took me about two years to really start figuring things out. Yeah. And in those two years, man, I, I dude, I was so lost and, and, and it might be different, right? Because the cool thing is that you're still surrounded by a lot of guys who train and still in your world. And, and, and that community is, is, is powerful, but that might be just as hard because you're still watching these guys yeah. do it. You know what I mean? And and so for me, like when I found civilian friends that had nothing to do with my military, I think that was better for my therapeutic recovery or transition because I wasn't trying to dig back like, dude, remember back in the day when we were kicking in doors? Like I wasn't reminiscing so much. So I was trying to find the new direction for me, but it took me a long time and it takes a lot of guys. I mean, guys, uh, Eric Coleman, he's a, he's a ex NFL football player. Yeah. He works with one of my, one of my sponsors, uh, um, core medical group, which is, I like, do shows with Eric Coleman on the PAC 12 network, dude. Yeah. So, dude, me and him talked for forever about um, transitioning and how it's so similar from a professional athlete like yourself, like him, to to go through the struggles of 
all right, who the fuck am I now? You yeah. know what I mean? And he's like, bro, everyone knows me as Eric Coleman from the fucking New York Jets. And I'm like, damn, exactly. bro. And now he does radio, right? Yes. He does a lot of radio and he's super successful, super happy. Um, but I, I, we had the conversation. I was like, dude, it's funny how veterans always talk about transition, but like we all have this transition. Like part of the book that I, I wrote a book, I'm going to get you one. I'm going to get you one. It's not, a, it's an easy read. I'm dyslexic and I'm not very smart. So, <laughs> so it's very easy. But it, I talk so much about like, I had a hard transition losing baseball, as you yeah. probably did with football. Yeah. Right? Oh, that, that was brutal because I was younger and I was, less, I was less prepared for people to be like, you're not as good at this as you think you are. I had, dude, I told people, like, I drank more on my, my, my transition from baseball to military than I did from military to civilian life because I was young, too. Yeah. I was 22 years old. I'm like, what the fuck? I still have good years in me, and I'm fucking good. Yeah. I'm good, but I'm a dumbass who can't pass my classes. I never graduated. I was taking fucking art classes and, and theater, which, by chance, it helped me now in my yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you didn't know, <laughs> yeah. but it was setting you up. Yeah, right, but it was the hardest transition for me. I was like, dude, I've played baseball since I was four, traveled since I was seven. Year-round, I'm living in California. The weather's great all year round. I was all that. That was all I was. I identified as a baseball player and I didn't know anything else. When I joined the military, I was like, fuck it, shoot me in the face, give my daughter some money and I'm going out a hero because I'm not good at anything. I didn't even think I was going to be good at military. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? I just needed something and it kind of forced me into like, okay, you can be good at this too. See, it's funny because we're we're just getting to know each other really, but there's a lot of similarities here, right? Because guys like us and there's a ton of people guys and gals out there who like i admire folks who are content working their nine to five. Oh, 100 and like they're like you know what i'm a i'm an excellent postman yeah and you're like good man but if that was me i'd walk into my house every day and bang my head against the brick wall because i couldn't stand just being that i need a uh, dude, dude i need there to be something like and i don't know if it's some flaw in my personality where i need validation from like external sources i need people to know what i'm doing and care about what i'm doing but i'm like okay if i'm not fighting anymore people are always interested in you when you're a fighter right right they want to know did you win your last fight what's coming up next how's this in radio it's that but like slightly diminished people don't care that much about radio but people are still listening to you and they want to know what that's about and it's like okay i'm getting a little bit bored with radio quite frankly because it's you know i've been doing it now for 12 years and it's it's okay it's fine it's not one of those jobs that you can really say you have to work incredibly hard at it doesn't tax you very much but it's just like am i doing something important and relevant so now this as i'm i'm figuring out i'm not going to be a fighter anymore maybe my radio career is either scaling back or completely coming to an end whatever do i need to find something that matters to other people do i need to find something in the public eye do we need to find something like i've been doing for a while in order for me to be happy with it. And it's a it's a trip because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to admit to myself like, yeah, you actually care so much about what people think that you need a job that people pay attention to. Right. But that might be me. Is that you? You don't know yet. You're, I don't that, really know. Is that right now? But what, I feel like I can't just be, they'll go into an office and be a nine to five right. guy. And even if I was making like, I mean, there's plenty of people who do those jobs, software engineers, whatever, who make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Right. No, no, dude, that's what I'm saying. It's it's an honorable living, honorable living. It's awesome. And it's like, but I don't think I can be that. I think I have to be a guy that's doing something like I'm writing my next book. I'm doing this. Like I need to know. It sounds like earlier stages of me, right? Like here's the funny thing, man. Like what I've, and, and dude, years and years of this, right? I got out in 2007 of active duty. It's now 2019. I'm, I feel like I've figured it out in the past three years. Sure. <laughs> like, but it, it all broke down to one thing. Like, what do I love? What did I love to do? And what is it that, like, it was, it was this kind of metaphor. I wake up in the morning, put my shoes on every day for what? Right? Besides my kids, for what? What is my reason? What's my why? And it's to serve others. And that's me, right? This is me telling you, like, when I figured it out, it's when I serve others, I feel best. Yep. Um, I've learned that social media helps me with that message as well because I can just serve others by just relaying my message of the day or what my, here's what I'm going through in my life and, and I'm going to give you a little bit of tip. Don't fuck it up like I did. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like the book I wrote is about mistakes I've made, mindsets I've done that were toxic and, and it killed me. But it's really like, how can I continue to serve others? And so now my whole mission is serving others by storytelling through film and television, right? Like, yeah. I love the acting thing. 
if people are inspired to be actors because this dumbass who's dyslexic, who fucking failed out of college, who fucking, you know, was able to do that, well then cool, use me as that kind of inspirational freaking motivation to go past me because I'm so basic for me to get there was cool. It's a lucky, it was a lucky draw. But if I did it, fucking anyone can kind of thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I'm so mediocre in that world. There's guys that are brilliant, and I don't feel like I'm I'm working towards that. Like, I'm always trying to be great, but I know I'm not. And so, like, that's what I've learned for me is, like, I serve. I like to serve. So I like to I like to tell your story through the podcast. I like to tell my story. And anytime I can get some kind of information out there to help others be inspired and motivated more, like, I feel like, cool, man. And, you know, being a man of faith, not, like, over the top or anything, but... I do know, like, I feel like, you know what? That's serving a purpose that I feel is good and good for the world. Leave that footprint for my kids to be like, you know, dad was actually kind of a cool dude trying right. to help the place, you know? Go to go to heaven hopefully one day and be like, I did my best, dude. You know what I mean? I did what right. I could, you know? And, and fucking in years in the military, some of those days were not good days, right? I, I did dumb shit. I did bad things. And, and, and so sometimes that even haunts me. Like, am I having to to reciprocate freaking more positive to fucking go, you know, to validate my fucking negatives in life. And, and so like when I figured that out was my duty is to serve in any capacity. I felt like I finally found myself again or found the new me, you know? And that was, that was for me was, was I guess a good moment, you know? And that's kind of where I, I keep myself in that loop of if I can continue to serve, I feel like it's right. But don't, don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to go kick in the door and fucking shoot dudes in the face, right? That's part of, like, who I You're always going to want to be like, it would be nice to fight that guy. And fucking, I think I could beat him. You know what I mean? You're always exactly, gonna, yeah. yeah. You're always going to be like, man, because I do it too, man. I see fucking baseball players sometimes, and it's still in my head like, yeah, you know, I know that guy. I actually played with this guy. I could have been there too. You sure. know what I mean? And, and I still fuck that up in my head. You know what I mean? I still, you know, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and shit. Yeah, it's wild. And, you know, the that thought process drags a lot of people down yeah you've obviously done a great job of of turning that reinvention into a positive in your right. life some people haven't been capable of it and it, it leads to their downfall and we've yeah. seen this with former athletes we've seen this with everyone film man. stars recording yeah. artists whatever it is the politicians the public life allows everyone to weigh in on your successes your failures your right. faults your whatever it can be the downfall of people when you know you've got to reinvent a little bit and you've got to transition from one phase to another and i'm i'm pretty intent on making sure that that isn't you know my story that as i move out of competing actively as a fighter that i'm still doing something interesting positive um helpful i think the fact that it's already on your mind and the thought process is there it's already different than most right i think some guys takes them a long time to acknowledge the fact that they're going to go through this right they're like ah i'm good I'm good. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, 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 you're not right. This is a weird, weird time for you. And now it's time to like acknowledge that and ex- accept it and start figuring out, okay, how do I dig myself out of this weird space? Yeah. It was actually super important for me to go out on the high note we were just talking about yeah. because the end is going to come for my college football career. The end came and I wasn't really prepared for it. And it also wasn't on a high note. It was yeah. just kind of like, I mean, we won our last game. But it was not like I had this amazing season and yeah. was like all conference and whatever else. It was just like, yep, you were just a dude on like a marginal team and you didn't even play that much. Like, yeah. bye. Yeah. And I was like, oh, geez, I didn't even get like that, that send off. Yeah. That, okay. Mm-hmm. So it was important for me having covered sports. I do sports talk radio is the day gig, right? Having covered sports for so long and having watched athletes in every single avenue of competition olympic athletes pro athletes college athletes whatever having watched so many of them not get to go out on their terms yeah and having had a college football career that none of it happened on my terms in mixed martial arts when i was a fighter and my ufc career ended not on my terms i tried to make it my terms and i lost my final fight and it was like you know I, i had turned down a contract extension because i was trying to make things on my terms right I said, no, I'm going to go beat this top 10 guy that you've got me matched up with. And when I beat him, you're going to have to give me the contract that I want. It's right. going to be on my terms instead of your terms. I ended up losing that fight. And they're like, okay, hey, bye. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is that it? Is that? Yeah. I, and then this opportunity with the PFL and winning a championship to go out on my own two feet deciding and not having like that residual bitterness that even guys with great careers. Yeah lose four and five in a row and then someone quietly takes him aside and says look we're not going to renew your contract or 
it's time for you to be done. Yeah. Or the, the NFL player who gets, you know, was an all-time great. Jerry Rice, my favorite athlete. Yeah. Jerry Rice's career did not end in a glorious fashion. Right. He got cut from the Seahawks. He got cut from the Broncos. And it was finally like, Jerry, you're done. It's time. He's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Right? He has almost every record, right? He's got a lot of records. And I think Jerry's done a great job. You know, he's done broadcasting and PR and all that stuff. So he's transitioned to something else successfully. But for me, I had I knew that I, I had to go out on terms that did not allow me to question myself perpetually yeah. and have that residual bitterness of just like, yeah, but that one fight, if, if I would have just done this instead, because that, that, I know myself, when I make mistakes or I do something wrong, it beats me up for years. Yeah. And I, I can say that with this retirement, I ended on the high note and I don't have to beat myself up for the next however many years about it. Right. Man, that's what I'm saying. The career of a fighter, it's the, it's the hardest one for me to watch, right? Like, I, I just see it, and I feel bad. I feel for everyone in there, and yeah. I get it. You know what I mean? I get it because I feel like a lot of my guys a lot of my guys supplement their military careers with, with contracting. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I'm done with the military. I'm going to contract. You're just doing the same fucking thing, right? Sure. It's just, and so it's, it's, it's cool to see that you've been able to, to uh, find that high note, walk away from it. And for me, I'm excited to see what the, what the future holds for you. I think you're a talented dude, and I think there's a lot of cool things that are coming up for you. And so I'm just excited to be yeah. hopefully a part of it with you as well. You know yeah, I mean? no, I think we're going to collaborate on some stuff. There's, uh, I think we got some of the same ideas and, and things like that. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, I, I just found out you got this studio. So it's yours. Whatever, you, whatever it's, things. <laughs> look, whatever, whenever I got an idea, I'm just going to be like, rock up. Dang what do you it. think of this? Well, dude, this, dude we're at an hour, man. All hour, right. Let's flew. get out of here. Yeah. Anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, even your um, social media so people can find you. Yeah, at Real OC Sports is my uh, my Instagram and my Twitter and all that stuff. I um, I do a show every afternoon on SiriusXM's Pac-12 network. So you can catch me on channel 373 uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. Pacific time on Sirius. And uh, go buy my book. It's called Hellbound Heaven Sent. It's on Amazon. Go buy it. Read it. Tell me if you hate it. And uh, I'll come find you and punch you in the face. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. That's the real OC. We're out. I did it. I did it.